Yes, Neil, what's happening in Good Morning? And I am <laughs> watching Stupid Soccer again this morning. And big up to all the Steeler fans out there joining us this morning. Welcome to the new standard. And as always, my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? Game day, Lance. It's game day. I'm excited. I'm paraphrasing Marv Levy. Where else would you rather be than right here and right now? I'm excited. Thank you all for checking us out here this morning. We've got a big game tonight, and uh, we're going to break it down, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And uh, if you want to join us, make sure you go to YouTube, do a search for The New Standard. And Lance Williams or Neil Kulong also go to your podcast feed and do a search as well for Steelers and The New Standard. And you will find us. Please like and subscribe. Also want to give a big shout out to my boy Kwame Love, Plant Based Planet on YouTube. Make sure you check out his program, giving great vegan recipes and ideas for those making that transition or those who are, are vegans. So make sure you check out his channel. Also, big up to Great Dads versus everybody for their awesome apparel and gear and stuff and all of that. That's the business. And of course, on this particular show, the title of the show is, as you see it scrolling on the bottom of the screen, breaking down the Steelers preseason opener and also all of the links for the podcast and the way you can connect to the show are down below in the description of the show. So make sure you click the link there and we are going to be breaking down the Steelers preseason opener. And you know what, Neil? You know what's so exciting about this weekend? We get to talk about ball. We get to talk about actual football. Guys on the field making their way, trying to become better, become seasoned pros, chase their dreams. We get to see some football, man. We get to see guys with pads hit people, run around, and make exciting plays. And that's awesome. I mean, we get to talk about football, not theories, not the cap, not all this other stuff that's involved with football. We actually get to talk about the game in between the lines. And let's jump right into it, Neil. What are you – and actually, I wrote down – and I want to jump into the five things that we both want to talk about when it comes to this game. And I wrote yours down. And, and let's start with your first one because your first one coincides with the fourth thing that I'm watching in this game. And let's just start it. Let's just start it at the top. The Pickens train is rolling. Get your ticket. Do you have your ticket on the picket train? What's up? What are you looking for when you say you're looking for George Pickens today and you want to watch George Pickens what do you want to watch for? Why are you so excited about George Pickens? What's up? Break it all down for us, Neil. Do I do I have a ticket on the train? I'm the damn conductor of the train. You're man. the conductor of the train? Here's a true story. I, I enjoy this. I'm not sure if anybody else enjoys this story, but th this is what happened to me. I had COVID over draft weekend. Of course, it hits me like the Wednesday before the draft. The draft for me in my world is basically nonstop work for four straight days, and I had maybe 10% go that weekend i knew who george pickens was i didn't consider george pickens to be a guy the steelers would even get to by by pick 20 let alone 56 or wherever they were in the second round i i fell asleep after we did our show i fell asleep and i was out for pretty much the whole night <laughs> i woke up uh on day two did stuff during the day i fell asleep about half an hour before the beginning of round two. And I slept through the first five, six, seven picks. I woke up and I started looking to see who else would be on the board for the Steelers as their pick was coming up. And the first one I saw was George Pickens. And I was like, wait a minute, what did this guy do draft weekend? What, what happened to him this week? How is he still available? And I was joking around on Twitter saying something like, you know what? I know who they want. I just, I'm not going to get my hopes up. There's no way they're going to take him. Each pick went by. It was like, okay, dreams can't come true. Dreams can't come true. I'm feeling better about this. Pickens is, and I, I say this without hyperbole, Pickens is the best wide receiver prospect I think this team has ever drafted. And there, there's a lot that goes into that as far as development and 
uh, receivers today versus the ones yesterday. As far as skill set goes, the Steelers have never drafted a better wide receiver than George Pickens. I, I'll, I'll die on that hill. I don't have any problem with that. He is the best deep threat they've had easily, easily since Mike Wallace. And Mike Wallace was an elite deep threat. And Pickens has way more skill as a receiver than Wallace did coming into the league. Wallace blew up his rookie year because Wallace was really good at the one thing that he could do really well. Pickens has some of the best tracking ability. I think you'll see of any receiver right now, and he's never played in a game before. He gets deep balls better than certainly anybody that they have. I don't think there are many in the league who are better than him. So putting all that together, I don't know what they're going to have him do tonight. I know how they have developed receivers in the past. They really pride um, themselves on developing that quick slant, that skinny post with their deep guys. They want to show there's something coming at the stem of the route. So where he would make his break, you know, you get your initial get off the line, couple yards, eight yards downfield, whatever it is. At that point, you're making a move. That's the stem of the route. At that point, the, the deep guys get outside, they get fast, and they get vertical. That's a great it's, – it's a great trait to have. It's a great skill to have. What the Steelers want to develop with those guys, though, is that inside move. Can they break their hips fluidly enough to get open inside so they can sell the deep stuff and, and come back underneath to still make big plays after the catch because they're going to be open? Pickens can do that now, and you're going to see that. I, I, they're going to give him a couple balls tonight, and he's, he's going to make a play or two. The guy is just a natural playmaker. Um, you asked for five things to, to say I'm watching in this game. I said, pick, I said one, Pickens. Two through five, Pickens. For me, that, that's just that's the most entertaining part of this. There's a lot more to it, but George Pickens is, is going to be an elite player in this league, and I'm really excited to see him get started tonight. I'm excited, too, because the hype train is – I mean, it's not just hype train from Steeler Nation because we'll hype anything. Like we hyped Ulysses Grant or Gilbert. Grant Gilbert. See, that's see, see, we we hyped Ulysses, right? So so Steeler Nation will hype anything. But Ulysses Gilbert? I did not hype Ulysses Gilbert. Steeler Nation not, did. You did. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's their problem. I mean, for 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 <laughs> You get that excited about a six-round pick. I don't know what to tell you, but but no. Pickens Pickens is a top fifteen talent in in this draft. And if he wasn't hurt, I he would have been top fifteen in my opinion. Should have been. But here's the thing. You know the hype is somewhat real, and of course, like Steelers Freak says, we have to watch the kid play. The hype for Pickens is not just from Steeler Nation. The hype from Pickens, it's like this. This this whisper that's underneath the wind, like you just this whisper about Pickens from everybody in the football no world, you know everybody's kind of like wow this guy yes. Pickens yes. is is like wow like players media guys everybody that goes to camp they look at Pickens and they're like yo this guy's a dude the players on the team are like yeah this guy is a dude um he is, he is a dude with a capital d i don't i don't know if they've ever drafted a dude like him i, I really don't at, at this point where he is as a player his age what he's shown he didn't even play all that much still a, a very large ceiling with this guy he's got great size great athletic ability I, I get that there's a level of hype that goes into it, but if you haven't seen it to this point in training camp, if you can't see naturally what this kid can do, I don't know what to tell you. You just, you don't like the fact that people are excited about somebody. Yeah. And, and I get that. And, and I think talking about Pickens leads us nicely into the open mic segment. And we're going to talk about <laughs> more things we're looking to for this game. When Mike Tomlin says God gives them, the talent we develop the skill i mean that is one of such a great line the best quotes i've ever heard because that's what it's about and that's what mike tomlin talked about in his interview on the pivot we don't run away from coaching so right now he has the talent now it's up to mike tomlin the kid himself uh to develop this talent to take all of this raw talent refine it and make it to a skill. You know what I was thinking to myself before we were doing this show? And um, 
we were both looking at, I was looking at the list of both of the things we were looking at. And you know what I was thinking? Go ball picket. First play. <laughs> go ball picket. Play action. Go ball picket. Just throw it up and see what the kid can do. That feels like that's what Mike Tomlin is going to do as soon as Pickett is in the game. Does Pickett start the game? Are they coming out 11 personnel? I, I have no idea. Yeah, it, who knows? Um, it, it, what I do know, though, just to, to temper expectations, it, it's not that they won't want to do that in, in week one. It's that they're not going to show it. They don't want to put a whole lot of film uh, of guys like that uh, out this early. I think if, if the opportunity is there, if they want to take a look at, at a quarterback throwing a ball, if they want to see uh, certain plays and let the quarterback make the decision, it, it wouldn't surprise me just because he's going to be able to, to, uh, to get open um, deep and, and do something like that. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him, you know, two, three targets underneath just to kind of work on, on uh, that aspect of the offense and save the, the vertical stuff for the regular season. But there's no way any NFL-level offensive coordinator is not going to be chomping at the bit to get that kid deep. There's just no way. And I'm glad you said that because I think one thing we have to illustrate is there is a developmental aspect to this game as well. Right. There are some things that they've been working on over the course of this training camp and some different concepts and some different routes that they probably want to see him run in real speed against another opponent. They want to see him do it in between the lights. So there could be some developmental stuff, some stuff, some routes that they want to make him work on that they might want to utilize in the game. Cause there is a developmental aspect to this, not just the fantasy aspect. And yes, I am drafting George Pickens uh, for my fantasy team, but let's just say it like this. Pickens is the icing to the cake. The eggs and the flour are the offensive line. And both of us pointed out, two different aspects of the offensive line that we want to look at. Mine was, I want to see the offensive line getting push and movement in the running game. And yours was the left guard rotation. I think both of those go together because of the importance of the guard position in the running game. Specifically, when you say the left guard rotation, what are you looking for specifically when you say that? Um, it, it shouldn't matter a whole lot who goes out with the ones. So I guess maybe I, I want to dial back the rotation. There, there is a level of um, emphasis on it, which one they're looking at. So I, I don't want to say the starter so much. What are they going to do when Kendrick Green is in the game that's pertinent to the left guard position versus what are they going to do when Kevin oh, Dotson is in the game? Um whether that's the starter or the second team, I, I, I'm not sure how much that matters. That that's Break that down. one Break of those that unknown. Break that down, Neil. Give, give, give us give us an illustration. What do you think? What do you suspect could be different in terms of the two? In terms of a play call, are they? How about this? If if they're going to run power, are they moving either one of them? Typically, they're they're kind of a right-handed offense. They their right guard is the one that moves on on backside counter stuff. Uh, they're probably going to want to get a look at either one, uh, Dotson or Green, in terms of their movement. Uh, can they get them out of the move? Can they hit their target on the move? What I, on, on run plays, on outside run plays, um, not zone running plays. Do they? Is that something they want to see? I'm curious if they feel uh, better one way or another uh, between the two of them. I don't know if I, I, I haven't matched them up. I would think that Green is maybe a little bit more athletic uh, than Dotson is. Dotson is definitely stronger. He's more powerful. He's a road grader type of guy. And we've seen him be successful with that a, a bit in the past. What they want from Green out of guard, I, I think, is really what this is about. And is that going to be better than what Dotson can provide? I think that's really as tight a competition as, as uh, this team will have in camp. I really don't know which way they're going to go. Um, to add to that, though, are they going to put Green at center? Are, are we going to see snaps from him? Does he perhaps start at left guard and then move to, to center with the second team? I, you know, it's, it, to me, the left guard position is a, a critical decision the team needs to make. It's something they need to look into. And they have two reasonably viable starting options. I don't think either of them are, are Pro Bowl level players, but what are they going to do with them? What, what are they looking to, to see from either one of them? Are they going to put him into a position uh, to do something a little bit more complicated? Um, you know, for example, we just saw the Giants 
blitz the Patriots on like 90% of their snaps, which is absolutely not common for a preseason game. Uh, it, that's, I, I guess that's what the Giants want to do. That's Wink Martindale. You, you, you love the aggression. And, and we, as fans, we appreciate uh, seeing a team kind of play to win as opposed to play to, to try out. The Steelers have never done anything like that. Certainly not on offense. Um, they, they're very vanilla. They're very bland. But will they incorporate more than just inside, outside zone uh, and, and gap into what they're doing? Are they going to run power? Are they going to pull their guards? Are they going to have them try to hit targets? I, I think that's important. I think it's a skill that you need to have in today's NFL if you're going to be a guard just to show that you can do it. I'm curious if either one of them uh, will get an opportunity to do that tonight. It's interesting when you talk about hit targets because I, I just rewatched the Steelers whole season and, and that was Oh, is Dotson hurt, really? Okay, my bad then. Never mind. Yeah. Um, Competition's over. <laughs> okay, so Dotson is out. Thank you, Douglas, uh, for that update that Dotson is out. So, But that's still good. That's still good from the perspective of Green yeah, will we'll, get a we'll lot just of see snaps. Green. I mean, same thing, it's, really. It, it's still it's still good. The evaluation will actually be the same. Uh, it'll just it'll just help them evaluate Green a little bit more easily because they still are evaluating practice field. And it's interesting when you're talking about hit to target because that's a great skill that guards have to have. Because if you watch offensive line closely, man, guys miss blocks in space all the time. It's hard. It's extremely difficult It's the most underrated skill in football. It's extremely hard to get out of your stance. To Keep in mind, too, you have to drop back to a certain depth to get out of the way of the guy that, that's coming in to fill in your gap. They don't just move. It, it, it's a coordinated thing. You've got to get off the ball at the snap, square your shoulders, accelerate as hard as you can, and hit a moving target that's only four or five yards away. And that moving target is 100 pounds less, weighs 100 pounds less than you and is considerably quicker than you are. To get a body on them, it's hard to do. That's, that's a very valuable skill. I mean, it's one that we have seen uh, from the best Steelers guards. Even some of them, even Chris Kimoyatu probably only made the team because he could pull. Uh, he was good at that. David DeCastro was good at that. Alan Fanick is in the Hall of Fame. He was a great pulling guard. The Steelers had their centers pull, which is, is an even harder task. You know, it's even far harder than, than it is for a guard. It, it's, it's important to be able to do that because when you can, it's really hard to stop. It's really hard to read. Um, basically, it requires your, your defensive tackle to get hands on the player who's pulling to knock them off balance before they get out of their snap and they're out of their stance. And that, that's, it's really hard to do. Otherwise, if the guy can hit you on the move, you're dead. I mean, there's nothing a, a defensive end, uh, even at, at their size, let alone a cornerback or a safety that's coming in. There's nothing they're going to do if the guard can get yeah. them square. They're dead. I mean, they're, yeah, you don't, they're out you of the play, and now they're yes. down a man Yeah, and you against don't even the have run. To that, that's a not guy. a thing. And you don't have to pancake a guy. You can just – if you're in front of a guy, that's You got to get to him. You got to get square on him right. to, to isolate him. You get him square, you're, you're straight into the guy. You're not moving. I mean, you, you can't – there's nothing – you know, it's purely scientific. There's nothing you're going to do against a guy who's 100 pounds heavier than you are when he's moving. There's just no way you can generate counter force against that. You're going to lose. You know, the reason why I, I said that movement is a running <laughs> game, because the one thing I noticed in my rewatch is that Steeler running backs, I don't, I don't know what the stat was. First contact had to be damn near at the line of scrimmage like 85% of the time on the running plays. I mean, where when Najee is getting the ball or any back is getting the ball, they're not taking a vertical step to cross the line of scrimmage. They're taking a horizontal cut. They're taking a horizontal step because there are multiple tacklers there mm -hmm. and they can't even execute the play because there's been a ton of defensive line penetration. And right. so, you know, I want to see – you know, particularly when they run power and just if they're getting movement where running backs like a Warren have their um, the ability to make a play. It's so difficult when your first cut is lateral and you're trying to dodge two or three dudes before you can even get ahead of steam and execute the play. I mean, so I want to just see if they can get movement push guys and the running game looks a little bit cleaner that first contact in the running game is a little bit past the line of scrimmage not at it or behind it because there was a ton of runs last year and they call them stuffs people call them different things but a, a high percentage of the Steelers running game were pure stuffs 
And if Najee Harris didn't have the ability to break tackles, that running game was probably even worse than it actually was. And it was a really bad running game. The other thing with the offensive line, and let me give you the stat, and the stat is from ESPN, is pass protection. Because the one thing that also, it, it, we all know Ben Roethlisberger was physically limited. But I think some of the depth of targets being around five yards for passes largely had to do with the inconsistent pass protection. And we talked about Dan Moore all year with his pass protection, his struggles with pass protection, given where he was drafted, the fact that he started. We talked about his pass protection all year. Pass protection is one thing I want to see as well. Can they keep some consistent, clean pockets, particularly in this game, when it's going to be probably, I'm going to guess, more man-on-man blocking. You're not going to see exotic concepts from Seattle. It's just going to be a guy on his dude blocking head up, straight up. You're not going to see twists, stunts, anything imaginative or creative. And by the way, you got to make sure you listen to the show last week where I created a couple of words. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I can I can give you the time stamp where I created a word. It was interesting. I listened to it back and it was you, pretty you funny. You do, Lance, to be honest. <laughs> you see me laughing. It's usually why. <laughs> and I created a word. Hey, man, yeah, you know, fine. it's just. I'm not whining. You know, it's just creative vocabulary. People get um, the point. Let me, let me read this stat. Uh, and so ESPN ranked the Steelers' offensive line 28th. The projected starters were Dan Moore <laughs> Jr., Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, Jace, James Daniels, and Chooks Okorafor. Their predicted pass block rate was 32. They So they're predicting that they're going to be the worst pass blocking unit in the NFL. The predicted run blocking unit is 17. Here's This is what they wrote. It's interesting. This is a rough tackle duo from a pass protection standpoint. Moore's 76% PBWR pass blocking win rate ranked last out of 68 qualifiers at tackle, while Chuck's Okorafor was a bit better at 84%, but still 55th. Quarterbacks Mitch Trubisky and or Kenny Pickett are going to need to get rid of the ball quickly. I think the one thing we saw last year, the ball was out of Ben's hands. Now, there was no problem with as, that. <laughs> as, as soon as it got in his hands. Which is it, what's really scary about this. <laughs> so this is what this is why I want to see pass protection. You know, because we're going to talk about some things that we might that might improve in the offense with Mitch Trubisky being the starter. But but I think the pass protection has to get better. Pass protection was really bad last year. You had bad pass pro, and you had a quarterback that was a statue in the pocket who could barely move by the end of the season. I remember there was a play where Ben ran for a first down. I think it was in the Ravens game. I thought it looked like he got shot in the hamstring. And I thought he was gonna <laughs> he fell on his face and it didn't even look like he could get up. I was like, wow, this 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 guy is absolutely done. Which what are you looking for in terms of pass protection? Just that they're keeping the pocket clean? Are you looking at technique, hand placement? I mean, what are you looking at in terms of pass protection? In in preseason, it, it's about technique more than anything. I, I it's you don't want to evaluate the whole unit. You certainly don't want to put it into the context of um, schematic um, themes tendencies at the same time it's not like they're writing an entire offense to only use in the preseason but they're going to run peanut butter and jelly stuff that they can execute and in that they want to see technique they want to see form um i would even go as far as to say it's not results oriented as much you know, we can keep stats in the preseason, but we're not going to put a whole lot of weight into it. How they accumulate those stats is what's important. Like I'll say seven this. shot stats. Well, yeah, if you want to look at it that way, <laughs> I think there, there's some fun competition that goes on. I know I get a, a huge kick out of seeing Mitch Trubisky go for four with two picks, which happened a couple of times. <laughs> and they just lob you in softballs, Lance. Sometimes you just have to swing. But um, 
as far as the offensive line goes, your stats, what what you're speaking to, obviously that that's that's their prediction for the regular season. That's not something that pertains to tonight, and I don't think they're going to change that narrative. I think it's fair um, to suggest that uh, Dan Moore, who was a fourth round draft pick and became the only only tackle in at least 30 years, stats didn't even go back this far to to test it. The only tackle taken after the third round to start in week one and to start at, at least 16 games uh, for a team at left tackle it, it, as a rookie. It doesn't happen. There's a reason it doesn't happen. And to, to suggest that he struggled, yeah, yeah, he did. I'll say this, though. To his credit, he was a lot better at the end of the year than he was at the beginning. So I, I like that improvement. Miles Garrett handed him his ass on Halloween. That was as brutal a, a beatdown you'll see uh, from somebody not named Mike Adams in the NFL. He got absolutely torched. Uh, Miles Garrett is is a pretty good player. I know that Steelers fans want to freak out because of, of his history and the fact that he competes with, you know, God's other son, TJ Watt. But the reality is Miles Garrett is a damn good football player. And it, Dan Moore was, you know, out over his skis a bit in that game. He, Tomlin didn't give him a whole lot of help either. I'm not really sure what was going on. There was a reason they scored 15 points. It, it was it was just bad. Um, I think with that experience, though, now is the time that you recoup that investment. He took his beatings last year. Now he, he's going through his second camp. He is more or less an entrenched starter. He knows what to expect. He knows what's going on. And they got a new offensive line coach, one that has a bit more experience than the last one did. It was a dumpster fire on that that offensive line last year. That wasn't skill. That was that was coaching. I mean, it just none of them looked particularly prepared. I think that the beats that they had were oftentimes miscommunications, missed assignments, mental things more than physical. And they didn't have a whole lot of physical talent, so it didn't help. And, and it was definitely magnified by all of that. <clears throat> um, I've said it in this segment. I don't know how many times, Lance, but. Uh, it, the, the former offensive line coach took a job at University of Oregon after week like 14, I think it was. Quack, quack. NFL coaches do not go, leave go to college. for college in lateral moves for the same position. They don't do that unless they're not going to be on the NFL team at the end of the year. And I think it was pretty clear that Adrian Clem was not coming back. So he took the first train out of the station. Pat Meyer is experienced. He's been around. It wasn't long ago the Steelers did the same thing with and I'm shame on me I'm going to forget the name and I absolutely shouldn't the, the Steelers old wide receivers coach that they brought back before Drake um the one who retired Drake replaced him Scotty Montgomery was like 32 years old and he was the team's uh, uh wide receivers coach he took a job I guess it was a step up I think he was the, the co-offensive coordinator at Duke which is his alma mater and he's a head coach in college right now um they they brought, I can't believe I can't remember his name. He was basically the AB whisperer. And they, once they got the experienced, I hate to say this, but adult in the room, you saw the Steelers wide receivers, Antonio Brown in particular, take off. And they've been dominant ever since. And they they tapped into a formula. There was a level of experience that they wanted out of the coaching position. And there was more of a general vision that they wanted. It didn't seem that Clem had that. You heard rumors all the time about how the rookies didn't know where they were lining up. They didn't know what to do. It was too much for an inexperienced coach to handle. Richard Mann, thank you, Douglas. <clears throat> Excellent coach. There, there was a it certainly Daryl Drake was a great coach as well. He was going to be doing things, but they'll they'll tell you up and down. Richard Mann was was probably the best coach on that staff on on the offensive side at least. Um, I think they can have a similar kind of renaissance. With Pat Meyer, experienced, he's been through the mill. They've still got younger guys. They've got positions they need to battle out. A lot of new guys coming in, along with a new quarterback. They're, it's a huge challenge on the offensive line. So right now, for me, a lot of things need to get worked out. These are things that we're not going to see in a preseason game. I want to watch each of them individually. I want to see how they're moving off the ball. I want to see where their hands are. I want to see what their balance is like. You can tell a lot from an offensive lineman from that. It's not just about the results of the play. How are they approaching what they're doing? That's really what's important. Don't get trapped in results-based preseason action. It's not just simply about that. And, and taking a step back from a 64,000-foot perspective, from a coaching perspective, you had more play all last year. You made the playoffs. 
he he was in live bullets, playoffs, big games, so on and so forth. So he plays the entire year. So unless you think he has no talent, you don't get anything from the close to 900 snaps that he played. You drafted him in the fourth round, which means you thought he was a good player. He got 900 snaps to get better. Now you're going to try to build on that from a developmental perspective. So now you want to see how can the player take that experience, integrate that into his game, and get better. But that only happens if you think that the player is a good player. And obviously they think they do. Because the upside of getting a very good tackle or let's say a slightly above replacement tackle in the fourth round at that price, it's great. It's it's absolutely a steal. But let's jump to the other side of the football because we both identified something that we're both going to wanted to watch. You just said Bush, Devin Bush, I said inside linebacker run fits. And we talked about it ad nauseum on this show just how bad the combination of Shelbert and Bush was from a historical perspective, that that might've been the worst inside linebacker combination in Steeler football. With, without injuries. I, I think it was, if, if we did, if we don't see so your week one starters last year were, were unquestionably Devin Bush and Joe Shelbert. I don't think they've had a worse combination of those two. Uh, the, the, what we saw not going into it, we thought, Good things were coming for that position. We we hyped it up as a strength. Um, it was horrendous. It, it, they were awful, really, Original. really bad. Original. So I, I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure we've seen worse than that, to be honest, Lance. Hey Neil, I want to go over Reginald Rivers yeah, house that, and, and get some of those me, lamb chops. You're killing me and jerk chicken on the grill with the Spanish rice. Spanish rice. Let me on just add, That's let, awesome. Let me, let me just say so this: it's like Neil. smoked rice. If if Reginald is doing lamb chops, yeah, where you live, Reginald, and jerk chicken in preseason week one, we're coming over. We're what doing, is what is Reginald doing, doing week one, Reginald? Please, uh, can you send me some? Uh, Reginald's doing uh, butter. He, he's doing a uh, lobster and butter and, and some grilled uh, clam, salmon, mussels, carnitas in there. I mean, come on, Reginald. Reginald is killing. It. I mean, that is high level high quality ingredients for a preseason game. But yeah, this dude sure. isn't messing around. That's the best part. Yeah, that, that's yeah. somebody who takes what they're doing seriously. There's and no he, preseason for Reginald. Oh, this no, is mid-season no, 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 no. form. This is yes, playoff. This is this. He's, he's coming out hot. He's coming out hot. Love and, it. And the, <laughs> Reginald, A1, number one. Please put some of that in the virtual mailbox. Hit the send button. Me and Neil would love to be taste testers and say address i'm not messing around we're, yeah, we're, man, we're on, going Reginald. to your place yeah. for the show yeah send us some food yeah if <laughs> yes. my brother-in-law cosmos coach his carnitas are on point yes. i have had them i am a witness let's go ahead and uh let, let's tee this up shoot me some handmade to tortillas as well but with the inside linebacker run fits when you say bush what do you want to see from bush do you want to see decisiveness do you want to see the athletic ability? Do you want to just see above-level replacement play? Uh, when I'm saying inside linebacker fits, I just want to be the linebackers to be in the right place and, you know, contacting running backs closer to the line of scrimmage. I don't want – I want to see guys decisive in what they do in terms of their run fits and what, and what they're attacking and the targets that they're attacking. With yeah, Bush, you know, if if we're talking like a pass fail metric, then yeah, it'd be, it would be nice to see Devin Bush be in the right place for once. He's like a seventy percent guy when it comes to that. That's not uh, it's not ideal. Um, Bush, I guess more than anything, I want to see what he's built like. Um, how well is he moving? Physical things that can be uh, kind of indicative of his off season. How he's feeling? What does he look like? He, I, I was worried last year, and keep in mind the the Schobert trade broke i think about 46 seconds after bush got burned badly by a jaguars or not jaguars an eagles tight end uh, over the middle in in a preseason game that's not why they made the move but it was clear and obvious that bush wasn't right you could see it um the move that came in after that it it, it was not because of bush but they clearly wanted 
somebody next to him to, to help kind of fill in a bit, especially in pass coverage. And that's what they had hoped Schobert could do. Didn't work out. It, it was too big for Schobert, too. So I, I want to get a look at Bush physically. How is he dropping back? How is he reacting? Yes, the, the run fits are important. Um, how well does he move to that fit? How long is it taking him to react? These were all issues that we saw last season. I just want to see how he's moving as an athlete. That That's going to be a pretty good indication of, of where he is um, physically leading into the season. If you, you There's a difference between a guy moving uh, in, in such a way that suggests he's injured versus a guy that is moving because he's not really putting everything into it. I'm not a big rah, rah, go all out. You have to be running a thousand percent all the time. That's not how football is played, but you can tell if a guy is, is putting in the effort or not. And this is a critically important uh, season for Devin Bush. If he wants to get paid, if he wants to live up to his pedigree, yeah, he's going to make it look like he's, he's putting himself out there. He's going to fly to the ball. He's going to make sure that he is a, a part of every play that's around him. I want to see if that intensity is going to be there even in the preseason, because frankly, if I'm a general manager and I'm looking to sign Devin Bush after four disappointing seasons, I need to see that he cares. I don't care if it's a preseason game or not. I'm not giving him millions of dollars if he isn't going to try. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. I want to see the, the level uh, of, of effort and the, the level of fluidity he has as an athlete. When do you sing, Lance? You sing? I, I, I used to sing on the show uh, years oh. ago, but, uh, you know. I, I was thinking of you like crooning or something. No, no. I was listening to some Isley Brothers uh, this morning, so I could uh, choose uh, to sing Choosy Lover, but I, I would not uh, disgrace. Well, I, I don't know why you're doing that. I would not. not doing that. <laughs> I would not disgrace Ronald Isley uh, <laughs> with, with singing choosy love see there we go there we go, there we go. There that's go. that's for you richard that was just a little bit uh but but these two are having their own moments you know the interesting thing about that is it, you can see confidence in movement mm -hmm. you can look at a player and see yep. if a player is confident from how they move and i want to see if the confidence is there and one of one of the guys in the live chat talked about Robert Spillane. Just it, from a very high level perspective, I just want to see if he looks better than Robert Spillane. Like I when when I look can't at be Spillane, the bar. can't and, be the bar. You know, it's, it's like, so not good. Like I need to see that physically, he looks like a first round draft pick. He looks like a player that isn't and should not be in a competition with Robert Spillane. Ryan Shazier started off his career not having a real good sense of what he was doing. And it was understandable. He really was a project. But one thing you saw from Ryan Shazier is that dude was an athlete. He moved. He could get where he was going. Might not have you know, been the assignment he was on, but he got from point A to point B like a, a top 15 draft pick. I don't see that often from Devin Bush. In fact, I would equate yes. right now Devin Bush closer to Jarvis Jones than I would Ryan Shazier, and that's not a not a good thing. Um, Bush was undersized a bit, not somebody that you necessarily saw as a, a high-level coverage guy, uh, not that kind of athlete, but he should be a better athlete than, than what we've seen of him on the field, and that's, that's a concern. I don't – I don't know. I, I'm giving him a lot of rope because I know the team is going to give him a lot of rope. But based on last year, to be honest with you, I, I, I had a bench him. Um, I don't know how much rope he's going to get this year. I don't know how much they want uh, to make it a decision if they're not still ride or die with him. If they're not planning on him, him playing 800 plus snaps. I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I, Spillane isn't even the question anymore. We know exactly who Spillane is. That's the problem, though, because of what it means, really, is we don't know who Bush is. And you can't that, have that great kind point. of a question. That, that's, that's the great point, is you don't Spillane, know who Spillane Bush shouldn't is. be around in this fight. This has no, gotten to, to round nine and should have been over by four. It, it's, it's not. That's the problem. We shouldn't know this much about Spillane. You know, exactly. Ex exactly. And, you know, the thing for the Steelers and the thing for any football team is – the snaps are the snaps. Snaps don't go away. You're yeah. going to play the snaps. So that position is going to play 950 to 1,000 snaps, regardless yep. of what number plays them. 
So it better be a guy that can actually play because you don't want that vulnerability in between the hashes, particularly from a pass protection standpoint. Those are easy calories that an offense will take from you every single game and you will get beat to death. And we know that this defense has to be very good for this team to have some success this year. Let me jump into your third and fourth thing, and I'm going to combine those two together. You said wide receiver, how they look physically, and slot rotation. Break those down in terms of what you're looking for. It's kind of the same type of thing. I think uh, last year I saw some things from Claypool immediately that had me kind of excited. After that, though, it was, you know what, he doesn't really look as fluid as I hope that he would. He might even look a little bit bigger than he did last year. And I don't know if that's good for him either. He didn't move as quickly as I feel like he should have when he's got that experience under his belt. He's still young. He's still a high-level athlete. If he's only marginal, if he's only if his play speed is only marginally higher than it was his rookie year, the first thing I'm going to look at is, or to, to question at least, is how much effort he put into the offseason. Did he spend the offseason making himself a better player as opposed to just, you know, kind of going through the motions? I didn't like the way Claypool looked. I had a couple reporters tell me off the record they didn't think of him, much of him during camp. It didn't look very good. And he was not impressive. I, I've gotten in all kinds of arguments with people about this. There's a world of difference between what statistically uh, he puts up versus how good he is as a player. There are yards on the field. And unless you're not trying, every team is going to get to a certain threshold of yards. You're going to have a player yes, around the roughly around yeah. the statistical accomplishments of Chase Claypool last year. Maybe Claypool is 10, 15% above average. That doesn't make him a great player. Not when he did the same thing the year before. He's the same guy. We're going to blame the quarterback. We're going to blame that. We're going to do everything but blame Chase Claypool, who yeah. I'm just saying from an eye test perspective, did not look at even marginally better. That's a bad sign. I want to take a look at Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson practiced for three days before he got hurt, after not practicing before that. Deontay Johnson missed parts of most of the NFL games that he's played with some type of injury. Where is he physically? I want to see that. Um Obviously, there's my boy Pickens. There's my other boy, Calvin Austin, who, frankly, I, I was – considering I didn't know Ward? who Calvin Austin was before the draft, I watched that kid's film, and it was like, holy shit, he should not be a fourth-round draft pick. This kid you can excited, play. Are you excited about Fast Willie's cousin? I am. Ward? Very much. Very much. Um, the running backs, I don't want to say they're dime a dozen. I think that cheapens what they have. But we are at a point uh, in, in, in terms of society – that athletes are coming out of the woodwork because they're being prepped better. They're being groomed better. There's a lot more technology. There's a lot more knowledge that's being spread from even 20 years ago. I mean, when I played, I didn't do anything compared to what they're doing now. You can see how much better the athletes are. And running back is not the position um, that necessarily the best athletes are being asked to play anymore because their futures usually are better as a receiver, as a quarterback, as a defensive back. Those are more valuable positions than running back. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that there aren't guys with, you know, Jalen Warren's exact build uh, that still play running back and do it very well. They're just not yeah. in high demand. So you can't necessarily say this guy's a nobody. He didn't get drafted. Therefore, he's not any good. We're seeing viable NFL running backs get undrafted every single year. Who was the kid in Jacksonville two years ago? Undrafted free agent who legitimately started for them. He won the start. James Robinson. He won the starting job coming out of camp. Wasn't drafted. He was the best guy that they had. No character knock on him. There was no injury. He just didn't play a valuable position and didn't do it in such a way that it accumulated a ton of buzz. He just didn't have value. I think Warren is like that. I, I would like to watch him to see what kind of runner he is. Again, not results-based. If he breaks a 60-yarder, great. I'm not going to say he's awesome because of that or he's bad. Let's see how he conducts himself. Let's see how he he you can see the wasted movement in a running back after they get the ball. How much extra movement are they doing before they get going? Whether there's a hole or not, you you don't have a whole lot of time to pick your direction uh, in an inside zone. You've got to go. You've got to put your foot down and go. I want to see those kinds of things. Is he ready to play at the NFL level when you don't have a hole? You have to kind of create one as you go. Can he do that? I, I'm excited to see that. I like running backs. I, I enjoy running games, especially when they work. Um, Warren, Warren is, he's got a great opportunity. I think he's a guy to watch for sure. 
I, I was told by a friend of the program who will not be named that that is a player that you should absolutely watch. And it was uh, it, it was in, it was it was all caps too in the text. Jalen Warren, like all caps. Watch well, Jalen Warren. See I, I, I um, get to going back to the, the first thing that we talked about here. There's a ton of fan hype and people love to, to jump on the bandwagon. We had a whole joke for this back on the old site. Uh, we called it the Isaac Redman Award. And it was meant to be a joke. It was a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> yes. joke about the 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 late drafted or undrafted rookie or second-year guy that accumulates inhuman levels of hype going into yes. a season yes. to a point where not only are they penciled in as starters by their second year, but they're like all pro players. Now, there, there's some James Harrison and Willie Parker syndrome going on among Steelers fans, and it's great. Believe me, I've made a career off, off of that hype. I, I know what that's like. We love finding those guys. The diamonds in the rough, I think, are the, the most entertaining part of, of NFL. Jalen Warren fits into that by far better than everybody else. I'd, I'd give him the, the Isaac Redman trophy, which doesn't give an, which isn't given out until after the, the end of the preseason, but he easily wins it this year. It's not even close. And everyone's going to make him out to be more and better and better than the last person. So by the, the end of this, heart. we have Ladanian Tomlinson on our roster. You know, yeah. it, it's like, okay, <laughs> let's see him though, because there's a reason he wasn't drafted. There's a reason that, that nobody else picked up on him. Let's just wait and see. Cooper Cup was a third round draft pick, and believe me, the draft people freaked out over Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was the most popular third round draft pick, non quarterback draft pick ever. Yeah, and it, let's it see what we right. can do. I I like what I have seen to this point, but it just kind of seems like there's a, a level of one-upsmanship that goes on within social media and the blogging community about who can have the the strongest, most positive Jalen Warren take right now. That's the Isaac Redman Award winner. Isaac Redman, of course, being the, the running back who <laughs> paralleled all of this when he was coming up to the point where, again, like I said, it was meant to be a joke, but everybody takes it seriously. I think they still do it on the site, and it's like a, they're they're into it. it it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek, like – Isaac Redman, we we no, that's older great. People, older people might remember this. You remember the the Chuck Norris jokes, you know? Yes. It, it's it, it basically Chuck Norris was God on Earth, like you know, God Chuck, praised to Chuck Norris. Chuck we did that with Isaac Redman. Every yes. time he gets the ball, this the the light of God shines on him, and he does what he wants to do. You you pray to him to decide that he wants to score a touchdown. And it was you know to to kind of poke fun at all the hype that he was getting. And again, we, we tried to continue that joke, but they take it seriously. <laughs> That's how important hype is to, to, to fans. And Warren absolutely has that. I, I want to see what he's really all about. I don't think we've gotten great looks at him so far, just because the blogger reporters at, at St. Vincent say that he did really well. and don't necessarily mean a whole lot. Let, let's see what we have when he's getting the ball consistently, uh, what type of role he can carve out for himself. And let's, let, let's also that thing that Tomlin talked about last week in our open mic quote, NFL conditioning. We also have to see that as well. But here's the interesting thing, and I don't know if we have enough time left in the show to talk about you know, the other topic that I wanted to jump into because I think I want to give that topic a little bit more time, and I'll tease it. Uh, we wanted to talk about some things that we think will improve in this offense with Mitch Trubisky as the starter. But I want to use that to segue into, have you noticed, Neil, it's 48 minutes into the show and we have not talked about the quarterback position whatsoever. But before we do that, I have, I have to read the comment from Steelers Freak. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen someone type. My theory is some of Spillane's DNA was filtered through the sheets, hence the inability to cover pass plays. That is creative and absolutely Jeez. hilarious. What's your thoughts on the quarter? Why, why, why are we not talking about the quarterbacks? Why am I not seeing comments in the live chat about the quarterbacks? Are we so down on what we think we're going to see at quarterback <laughs> that we're basically just saying we have an above replacement, a barely above replacement level quarterback. It's not really going to matter. We're looking at the developmental pieces of this team, the guts, the offensive line, some of the other places, because we know 
quarterback is only going to be but so good. What does it say that no one is talking about the quarterback position? And we have not talked about the quarterback position until minute 50 in the program. I just, for me, honestly, I just didn't think it was worth getting into. I, I it, Whatever it is that happens, going back to a, a non-results-based approach to viewing the preseason, it's not going to matter. I can tell you exactly now, you, you throw out a bunch of stats, I'll assign them to which player it's going to be, and I will tell you what the general consensus is going to be of that player as far as where they stand in the, in the QB race. QB race was decided the second picket was drafted. You know, I, I don't think they're legitimately going to change that for week one. Where it's going to go, different story. But <clears throat> starting off, it's going to be Trubisky. Um, we know that unless they get a, a three offered for Rudolph, and even then I'm not sure that they will. Um, they're, they're I think they're them. keeping him. That That's not something I considered immediately. But it, it, by all looks, I I – you could say I'm turned around on that. I don't know what they would get. I mean, we saw Kyle Wilson go down uh, last night. The report is now as of, of Saturday morning here. Uh, he, he looks to be out two to four weeks. He's going to have surgery. It's not a huge deal. You need something like that for Rudolph to get moved. And even then there, there are always other options. You know, I, I don't know how that's going to play G. out, but I just don't think top to bottom. It's all that interesting. You know, I just, you know how I feel about this. I, I, you Steelers, the Steelers ran more RPOs last year than all but two other teams. And I think if they possessed the ball more, if they were successful with it, they would have done more. I think they want to do that. I think that is a skill that Trubisky has. I think he can read uh, a defense up front. I think that he doesn't see the, the deeper part of the field as well, certainly not when the ball is in play. He can read what a defense is doing and determine where the ball needs to go quickly. It, it, he's a short game guy. Therefore, I don't think the offense is really going to look. I don't think where the ball is going is going to be fundamentally different than what we saw last year. They are not going to incorporate a bunch of deep middle stuff, with whatever, which everyone is screaming about and, and wanting. Either way, though, we're not going to see any of that tonight, Lance. Even if they throw one tight end seam, it, it doesn't make much of a difference. It's a ball that they threw in a preseason game. They're not going to show a whole lot. So for me, they, they're going to want to run RPOs. If anything, Pat Fryermuth is a nice deep fantasy play. He's going to be a guy. I think that that catches the ball a pretty good amount. Um, you hope that Pickens can get some stuff. You hope that, that Claypool can get some stuff top to bottom though. They are not going to be a big chunk offense. Every team hits on deep balls here and there. It's not that they're not going to do it. Their bread and butter is going to be running the ball and throwing it off of that run action short and trying to get yards after the catch. It's, 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 it, you know, Neil, it's, it's, you have a creative way of digging uh, Mitch Trubisky. Like it, 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 it is, it is a skill that I don't even know you have and you do it just so naturally. Short game guy. I mean, that, that's a new one. <laughs> that's incredible. It, just, it, it amazes me that anybody would see him any differently. Short like, have you guy. watched him play? Look at the stats. You have to try really hard to make an argument that he's this high-level deep ball thrower. And usually what it comes down to is he's not 2021 Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, why does that matter? It doesn't change the fact that in his best season, he didn't throw the ball deep particularly well. There, there are a lot of stats that are out there. There's one that I was digging into the other day in another argument with somebody else that, again, thinks that the, the presence of Trubisky tops Ben in 21, and he's better than Mason Rudolph. Therefore, he can do all of these things. It's like, no, guys, he's just no, as limited just means... as those players are. He just does it in a different way. He doesn't see the field deep very well. You have to set him up for everything that he does. That's what happens with a limited quarterback. He's not sitting back there reading a high to low offense and, and making the decision of where the, the ball needs to go based on the coverage that's there. He's only going to have like two options and it's flood, right. And probably seam left something to that effect. He's not, it, he's going to protect the ball, which was by assignment. I might add that was not the quarterback choosing from all these other options, not a video game. You don't just get to decide they're trying to do something schematically. Trubisky has never been 
a, a particularly adept deep ball thrower. And there, that's the reason why he's on his third team in three years. He's not particularly skilled. He just isn't. That's why he went for $7.5 million this year, which is really not very much for a starting quarterback. His statistics fell off the, the, the table from his best season. And his best season is really not much above average. So who is he? I, there, there's not a whole lot to be excited for. But if you think of it strategically, why are the Steelers signing him completely overhauling their offense to run this this vertical concept that they haven't run ever. Are, are they doing that because they finally had the option to get their hands on Mitch Trubisky? Does that sound logical? No. They're going to do the few things that Trubisky does well, and they're going to do the hell out of them because they don't have much of a choice, okay? Money, Simple, Mitch. possess the ball, try to complete 66 67%, somewhere in there. Get it to the skill guys to make plays as best you can and and rely on your defense. Don't turn it over. Don't have short fields. Drafted a punter last year for a reason. You hope that the punter is actually good, and he wasn't last year. They're going to play field position football. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to not have to throw the ball to win. I don't like that strategy. I don't agree with it, but that's what they're going to do. And Trubisky, whether we're putting the cart in front of the horse or not, Lance, Trubisky is not good at 40-plus passes a game. That's not going to be a good situation. He's going to give you the, the, the Flaconian 33 of 53 for 301 yards, like four and a half yards an attempt, throwing short, nickel and diming, trying not to turn the ball over, and, and letting your defense be competitive with the long field at their back. Trubisky is not there to take over games on his own. And, yes, he's going to make a big player too. He's just not incredibly talented. It's as simple as that. Money, Mitch, is really Bitcoin, Bobby. And that's probably a great way to end the show. I want to see Pickett. Um, I want to see Pickett as well. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what it is. I think everybody realizes that there's no quarterback competition and that Pickett will probably not be the starter going into the season. But the only competition probably who's going to be the backup quarterback, is it going to be Rudolph or is it going to be Pickett? And like you said, I think it's just going to be a case of they can't get rid of Rudolph. And if, I don't if think they are if they are inclined, if they are incentivized by somebody, which I, I would have made the exact same argument about Josh Dobbs. They were uh, Rudolph versus Landry Jones back in the day. Dobbs became expendable. So Dobbs was the one who was who was traded because they got that opportunity to do it. That I, I mixed up a couple people here, but the third quarterback then became Duck Hodges because they could get something of value for Josh Dobbs. That was the only reason Hodges was on the team. They would have cut Hodges otherwise. If they get something like that, I think it makes sense. But that is going to be dependent first and foremost on how much another team wants Mason Rudolph. And they're going to have to have a, a, a desperate situation considering he makes $3 million this year. Don't tell me the, the salary cap position of anybody. This is cash. Nobody wants to spend $3 million on a player that only plays when you're in trouble. They, they don't want to spend that kind of money. It can use that somewhere else. Yeah. It, it's that somewhere it's else. just, how about this? If I have $3 million lying around, why am I going to light it on fire? I, I, I don't care how much money I have. It's $3 million. You're not just going to give that away. If somebody wants to give them an asset that is of value and they don't have a ton of assets coming up in this draft, it's not going to be a, a, a seven, eight, nine pick year for them. If they get something, I could see them doing it, but odds are they've already committed to it. I, I think they're just going to eat the, the salary now and, and have Pickett continue to work. If something happens to Trubisky, maybe it's a different situation as far as Pickett is concerned. I don't know, but they're going to take their time. They made the investment to have a, a, a pro level backup. That's helpful because I don't think that they have much of a pro-level starter or backup. So, it, you know, I, I think they're largely interchangeable in some ways. Whatever it is that they want to do, um, I, they made the investment in the quarterback position because they threw as many darts at the board as they could have. Every avenue there is to acquire a, a, a player, they did that with a quarterback this offseason. Unfortunately, one of them died. and that, that doesn't necessarily help, but they wanted to have a lot of guys in the camp, and they have that. So... Uh, we'll see what they do, but Rudolph is is a competent backup for what a backup needs to be. Um, they're overspending for that, I think. But you know, sometimes you kind of have to do that. I think that's the position that they're in now. But if they get blown away with an offer, I, I think they would take it. But I would say that most years. 
But before we get out of here, man, the great thing is we get some Steeler football, man. It's August 13th. We get some Steeler football. Yeah. We actually get to see some guys hitting pads. Um, I mean, we get to see some football, and that and and that's the exciting thing is that we all we get to see some football. We get to talk about it. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a post game tomorrow. Um, it's preseason, so I'm not sure. Uh, but it's exciting to see some Steeler football, and I thank you guys for joining us in this journey. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.